Welcome to the Blaze Podcast, put together by Blaze Incorporated. My name is Onyema Udeze. So today I have in the house engineer Dr. Masu Hamadama. He's a chartered engineer with the Council for the Regulation of Engineering in Nigeria. He's also an innovation catalyst level two, which is a special thinker issued by Scottish Institute of Enterprise. He had his PhD in construction project management from the Recording University, Aberdeen, United Kingdom. Currently, he's an assistant chief civil engineer at the Federal Road Maintenance Agency, FEMA in Nigeria. Before then, he was a lecturer at the Cardinal Polytechnic for up to seven years, and he had written several journal articles and research publications. In fact, this session today was informed by one of his numerous publications. So today, we'll be talking about drivers and barriers toward the adoption in Sub-Saharan Africa, and I'll be asking a couple of questions based on the numerous research we've done on this topic. So, Dr. Hammer, how are you doing today? It's glad to welcome you to this session. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, it's my honor being here with you guys. Okay, so just like the two sessions, I'll be asking you quite a number of questions around this topic. Typically, today we hear of building information modeling being, and a lot of people here have been today, but so many people are not even so sure of what exactly being is all about. I mean, from numerous polls that I've conducted in so many conferences and events across Africa. It's came obvious that a lot of professionals in this sector in Africa still does not understand what BIM is. So how do you explain BIM to an average professional who is still very new to the whole concept of BIM, technology and process of BIM? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think I find it quite interesting to explain how what actually BIM is all about. Because uh, uh, during my early stage of my research, I realized that most of uh, my uh, interviewees and some of my respondents were quite a bit confused about what's actually BIM and what's actually BIM is all about. Uh, from the beginning, I think the shortest word to use for BIM is just a concept or you can call it a process. Uh, but this concept is being uh, actually supported by uh, three components. Uh, the two first two components are the technology and the policy and then the all those things are evolved within the process. So we have three components. We have a technology, we have process, and we have a policy. Uh, the, the technology, it's the, the, the kind of aspect of the uh, beam that actually people feel like this just beam. Uh, when somebody is using a rabbit or somebody is using a robot or anything like that, these kind of tools, they say, I'm using beam. But this is not quite a uh, beam itself because it's just a BIM tool. It's not the beam itself because uh, using it alone, it's not actually telling you that you're using beam, but rather you are just using BIM tool. Uh, how it actually works? Uh, the simple or straightforward definition of beam can be actually uh, look as a process of creating, share, creating, sharing information at the right time through life cycle of building or infrastructure. So it involves a lot of things. It involves the process itself. It involves a policy that actually guides the usage and then the technology that actually supports, which is actually called tool, BIM tool. So the components of BIM are the three, the technology, the policy and the process. The process is the entire round of connectivity between the stakeholders and the technology includes the softwares, which are normally called the tools, including the uh, infrastructure use, internet connection and things like that or uh, there's some some of the tools that actually 
uh, web-based. Some some of the tools, BIM tools, are web-based, uh, web so you don't need to buy them as soft uh, to install on your system. You can just have them on the cloud, and you can get a space for it, and you can have a data, common data environment, and you can have that uh, both from uh, some of the providers of that. So this is all about BIM. Well, basically, from what you said, it appears that most people today are focused more on the technology aspect of BIM, and to them, they feel like that's that is BIM in its entirety. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that actually, that, that's correct. Okay. So that actually leads me to the second question because from that, the implication is that there are currently some people adopting BIM today in the African bit sector, and some people are not adopting it. So the adopters are not adopters of BIM in the bit sector. So, can you just give me an overview of the current level of beam maturity in Sub-Saharan Africa? Perhaps we use Nigeria as a case study for that. So, to share some light on the level of maturity of beam currently in Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. Uh, this is one part also segment of my research, my PhD work that uh, I did uh, a macro BIM adoption study in Nigeria, which is one segment of my uh, PhD study. Uh, the first thing I need to first clarify is we have different ways of measuring maturity of beam uh, at macro level. You know, we have different levels. We have what we call micro, there's what we call meso, and there's what we call macro. And then significantly for the, for the subject of discussion, we're going to talk about the macro. The macro, it is the adoption of beam considering a country, uh, a country uh, industry. So uh, basically we have two segments so we have two um, measurements that we normally take uh, at major how to measure beam maturity in a particular country we have uh, all of them are actually the data are normally coming from a from a, in a numbers we call it quantitative so it's a quantitative a way of measuring the maturity level of beam and one of the uh, one of the ways uh, we use what is called BIM capabilities changes uh, which is normally going through the uh, macro adoption the a five uh, a series of uh, developed models. The first one is diffusion area model. We have macro maturity components. We have macro diffusion dynamics. We have policy action model and then micro diffusion responsibility. Uh, but in that perspective, uh, we have uh, a beam maturity at different stages. We have what is called stage one, stage two, and stage three. The stage three, the, the stage one is the first, uh, is just a, a little step ahead of uh, a, uh, a adoption uh, trend, which is actually the modeling stage. So uh, as, let me just use Nigeria as a case study. Nigeria is actually at that stage, which is called stage one, and it's at modeling stage. So most of the uh, firms or engineering uh, firms or architectural firms and things like that, they normally adopt BIM actually at micro level. Uh, what I mean at micro, at micro level, what I mean it is at their own company stage. So there's what we call lonely beam the lonely beam or small beam is actually a beam that you adopt within your organization so you can have a, a model that you work within your organization and you take a responsibility of every turn of aspect of it but you don't normally share information through that model with other companies so you only do it within your company so that stage is called modeling stage so we have what the first stage is modeling the second stage is collaboration and the third stage is integration so we have stage one, two, three. That's at BIM capability stages. Then the second aspect, okay. it is the BIM model. That's actually the model developed by um, uh, Bill Richard. Uh, that's the UK model. 
normally known as uh, maturity level. We have uh, maturity level zero, we have level one, we have level two and level three. The level three is not well defined at the moment, but level one, zero, level one and level two are well defined. But if you look at it collaboratively, you can see that the stage is one, two, three from the, uh, the one developed by Soka and um, Kazim, uh, actually going in line with the one, two, level one, two, three of the UK based uh, model. And the step zero for the UK model, it's normally the use of uh, AutoCAD 2D, kind of uh, using a paper-based collabor- paper way of exchanging information, not quite using a digital way, it's called level zero. So you haven't started uh, taking the step. So for the for both the two, when you take them together, you can see the one, two, three lap together, only zero, that's uh, level zero from the UK base, that's quite different, but that actually deals with or takes, takes care of what we have at the moment in most of our countries. So the maturity level in Nigeria, the awareness level is a bit higher, but uh, the adoption is quite uh, insignificant because even the adoption level at the moment, it's at company level. You hardly seen, I think, uh, based on my research or based on some of the interviews I conducted, I only uh, established two companies that actually have ever collaborated or taken beam at construction stage. So it's quite amazing to see that some companies are quite keen to having such kind of uh, collaborative working uh, in in process. So, but let me explain the stages. The first stage is the modeling stage, which involves modeling, uh, developing um, your design. It could be a road design, it could be building, it could be factory or anything like that. Anything like maybe like a first infrastructure, or it could be from the built environment. Developing in a 3D form which is a very intelligent, what well, I mean intelligent, I mean the each aspect of the company you build in that kind of model, it has the, uh, the specification or details of that info, or that maybe assuming you just put on a, a door or window. That window, when you touch that window, you see the size of the window, you see the man, name of the manufacturer, you see the lifespan, when you expect to have uh, some kind of um, maintenance, the material made from the segment of it, Virtually every aspect of that component will be embedded in it. So that is called intelligent model. So developing such kind of model without transmitting or without collaborating with other stakeholders is called modeling, beam modeling stage. And the next stage is the collaboration stage. So in such a way that you can, after building this intelligent model, you can collaborate with other stakeholders to to develop other aspects of it. I can refer back us to something related to um, uh, what's it called, car manufacturers uh, or mechanical engineering. That's what we call, normally call design hall. So it's like a kind of database where all the designers will have, in, will have put on their information in it. So in this kind of thing, it's called uh, this collaboration aspect of having the model and then sending. It could be sending the model by using. Um, email or by using a flash drive or anything like that that one is called collaboration but the highest peak or the peak level of that is called integration where you can you can uh, have this model online that's a cloud-based computing so you can have that kind of model online and everyone is having in uh, uh, intake we're having input in it so without anyone affecting the other person's uh, uh, aspect of work so you can see that kind of model. You can develop your own design series. Could be electrical design, 
and the electrical designer when he's doing his designs he can decide to put on something that actually is not supposed to be in a particular location that model will show him okay in this place there's a window so you can put a socket there or you cannot do piping there or things like things like that so it's quite uh, amazing it's really interactive in that perspective for the as a whole africa as africa at once i think uh, the south africa it's moving faster than every uh, all other countries because uh they are sort of having some institution trying to come up with this kind of uh, strategy but uh, the issue we're having here in nigeria uh, we don't have actually the champions so we need to have the champions and we need to set face for that is that clear okay. to that yeah thanks thank you very much for the in-depth clarification so obviously we are still at the very early stages of the adoption you know across across sub-saharan africa and like you mentioned there are a whole lot of Causes to that. So, can you shed more light on the? Are you more specific on the various barriers that you know that is keeping the adoption from taking full effect, you know, comparison to other parts of the world where they've been able to adopt them at a higher level of integration? Uh, yes. Uh, some uh, we have uh, some common barriers. Uh, virtually, the barriers are common to most of the countries, but we have some specific barriers to our domain uh, but the thing is we need to know the barriers are actually being divided into different parts we have for there's some of the barriers that you can define them as internal barriers there's some of the barriers that can be called external so for the internal barriers we can have something like a training issue we don't have enough personal people that can actually handle this kind of uh, new tools and investment in that uh, the cost of uh, a investment for the beam itself because you need to train personnel you need to in, invest in the technology in the infrastructure and things like that uh, another for the external factor it could be legal it could be a protocol and sometimes it could be even demand from the client or the other or uh, kind of uh, issues from the other stakeholders and there's another aspect that we can actually segment this uh, these uh, barriers well the some we can say personal we can call it uh, legal we can call it management we can call it cost and then we can call the other one as technology for the personal we have a uh, resistance from the individual and we can also have issue related to training so we don't have enough personnel to handle this kind of uh, uh, tools and the process itself and for the legal we have ownership issues sometimes we have in uh, intellectual property rights and we have government policy policy uh sometimes it could be the protocol adopted a standardization issue because uh, the kind of uh, components we use for built industry in nigeria could be different from the uk could be different from the us because the components of building in nigeria we don't use uh, some of the aspects of the uh, building uh, components that they use there because they are in temperate zones uh, another issue is uh, we they use like a glaze kind of windows. We don't use glaze type of windows here. We don't use double glaze type of windows. We use single glaze type of windows. So these are the kind of standardization issues which are actually related to uh, legal, uh, which are actually related to legal issues. Because if you bring that kind of thing, it's gonna affect uh, people. Probably it's gonna be people will be suffocated in their buildings and things like that. When you could talk about management, it could be resistance from the management, the company. And there's some issue related to cultural change of the construction industry itself and then uh, we have cost issue so the financing of the uh, the, the beam because uh, when you're gonna do a beam based project you need to have a financial backup it could be from the clients 
that could come from the collaborative uh, you can have a contribution from both uh, uh, stakeholders each stakeholder contributing some part or that such kind of things can be embedded into the contract and the technical aspect of it is the infrastructure and the tools so we have issue of infrastructure especially in our, in africa in african continent uh, you can have issue related to a uh, data data bandwidth and issue related to the infrastructure so even even issue related to electricity it's quite a, an amazing thing for somebody to to have light over a particular range of hours maybe you want to work online and things like that so these are the kind of aspects of barriers but when you take it in um, in 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 terms of uh, the hierarchy or you rank them the first issue we have in nigeria it is the lack of expertise uh, because uh, when i interview some of the companies they complain of the some of the graduates that are coming from the universities they don't have much uh, skill in that perspective and the second aspect is lack of the first aspect is lack of expertise within the organization itself and the second one is within the team the team of the project the third one is the standardization and protocol. The fourth one is going to be the client demand, lack of government policy, additional project finance to call, to support the BIM, uh, uh, BIM-based projects, and then the collaboration among the stockholders because we have issue with lack of collaboration between because each, each of the uh, stakeholder maybe is going to be like, oh, this is my information. I don't want to share the whole of it to, to the entire team. So there is that kind of monopoly of uh, information so that's really critical to to achieving this kind of collaborative working so these are some of the major barriers we face in adopting BIM in nigeria in nigeria as, uh, as a country okay yeah that's quite a whole lot because uh so the things you mentioned are obviously very critical you know issues of electricity for example oh people especially when you're not working within a company structure maybe you have a smaller firm find issue of power supply, internet, and even personnel, people that are well trained on this issue. So these are quite a lot of issues. But beyond the, the barriers, what's, uh, what do you see are some of the drivers that can also help to increase the adoption across So drivers also feel that would help to fast track implementation of being across Southern Africa. Yeah, in terms of drivers, when you talk about barriers, normally are like, uh, uh, you just like a reversing it. But can have some of uh, some of them being adjusted because uh, when you try to ask people what do you think is a drive what can drive you to adopt beam in his organization you see different answers actually but when you're trying to put them together you realize that there are some of the drivers are availability of the trained personnel to handle this kind of tools which is actually exactly as the drive as proof of cost of savings uh, we don't normally have uh, this kind of um, attitude of uh, keeping record of uh, such kind of setting phase of this kind of uh, thing because when you have a project of this kind you use beam and you have you set it out to have like a cost saving if you can have like a journal publishing a journal it might not be journal international journal it could be just a local journal to establish why what did you use and what actually kind of money or the kind of resources you actually save in using this kind of uh, tool or this kind of process you realize that some people who develop interest in doing that as well. So the third part is um, the software affordability. Uh, everyone will testify that most of our companies are using um, crack version of softwares. So they find it difficult to actually go online with them because when you use a crack software, you'll be afraid to go online because sometimes you can get blocked and things like that. 
so and if you use a, a cracked version sometimes you cannot have the you cannot exploit to the fullest so that's one issue so uh this, this actually needs support for this kind of uh, uh softwares because uh, the professional are not being paid well enough to to, get, to acquire such kind of softwares only some few firms are having some such kind of uh projects that can finance this kind of uh a strategy but the thing is we need to just just step out on that and government need to get involved in that as well uh, and what actually motivates like uh, uk in uh, taking this step is uh, by having a particular benchmark of uh, amount of contract when you have this kind of contract you have to be beam enabled for you to even get that kind of project and there's so many supports and um, uh, policies that actually guides you to to, to do that uh, the fourth aspect is the awareness of the technology among the in industry stakeholders. Uh, we initially talk about the awareness, which is quite critical. A lot of uh, people are not quite uh, aware of uh, how it actually works. So uh, they find it difficult to actually go into it. Just like you have to be like a risk taker to get into such kind of uh, inv to invest in that because you need to invest in the in the human resources. You need to invest in the technology and you also need to invest in the process as well because uh, all of the components goes together they go together so you can't just take one and leave the, the, the uh, others uh, another aspect of it is the client interest as long as client do not uh, the, as long as client does not actually show interest in this we find it difficult to move forward so that's why legislation is really important like um, when you go for the UK, the reason why they have that kind of standard level of uh, things, it's because most of the time, most of the time, they normally uh, put things into into legislation. They legislate that kind of thing. But uh, for the US aspect of it, it's kind of uh, flexible because uh, it has actually been moved by, uh, motivated by the professionals. Specifically, uh, so the uh, American Institute of Architects, they actually started championing that and then followed by the stakeholders from the professionals then comes down to the uh, move by the government itself. But for the UK, it actually started from the top-down approach, actually, it's, uh, from the government down to the stakeholders. So these are some of the uh, drivers, actually, that motivates uh, having that adopted. Yeah, that's that's quite clear. Although some people also believe that, you know, the, a lot of time people try to compare the build sector with you know, other sectors like nursing or engineering, I mean, like automobile, they believe that you don't have to wait for clients to actually demand for being before you can integrate. If it's going to improve our processes as a business or as a, as an industry, perhaps we shouldn't be the one to wait for the client. That's what lots of people actually yeah. Do, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I believe in that perspective, but the issue is if you look at it, it needs uh, investment. And it's not every firm that can yes. invest in that kind of uh, because the issue it's quite real that when you have a small project you rather use the conventional or a norm way of doing things when you go into this kind of digital aspect you are sort of wasting much of resources because even the procurement uh, method you are adopting cannot even support you to do to do that uh, so if you have a small project you find it difficult actually to to do that because there is no much uh, return investment in that. In fact, there is no return investment in that because when you have, you normally have small projects. It is the big project that actually funds such kind of innovative way of working. Then you can use that to enhance the smaller projects. 
but in such a way that you have only smaller projects, you find it difficult to invest in that. And if you have a, a bigger project, you need to have a, a right procurement strategy to actually adopt that because every professional has his own jurisdiction because for every BIM-based project, you need to have BIM implementation plan. In a situation whereby you have some of the stakeholders are not keen to going along with you, you find it difficult to go with it. I believe you can believe that. Yes, that, that's very true. That's, that's very, very true. Okay, so based on some of the things you said, it's obvious that one of the major issues is lack of skill personnel. And uh, I believe that one of the ways to tackle this is to actually prepare the students right from the higher education institutions. And currently, mm, yeah. even, on a, even on a global scale, it becomes obvious that there's this gap between you know, that see most of the students are not well prepared for the industry out of them. So because of this divide between the high institutions and the industry, how do you think the institutions and the basic bodies in this sector can contribute to you know, bridging this gap that kind of enables the this sector, especially in South Africa? That's uh, that's really interesting because uh, this is the ma major concern because uh, from the early stage of my research, what I realized that uh, most of the uh, companies they complain about uh, the kind of uh, graduate we produce from our high institutions. So the first thing we need to actually look at is our curriculum. The, our curriculum is quite old and it has not been revised for a quite a uh, number of, uh, I think it can be said maybe decades. Uh, so we've been using a very old curriculum, which uh, the, the world has already gone beyond that. So imagine going into our universities and you see people are drawing uh, paper and paint and things like that. And they even produce some of uh, things that you don't need to actually go to that. Uh, CAD has already been an amazing tool for, for the built industry. Uh, not actually built industry, I think it can be a, something of uh, interest from uh, for other uh, industries. Uh, the first thing to be revised is our curriculum. And uh, the second aspect is our more mode or model of uh, teaching because we, we have disjointed teaching uh, strategy because you have architects being trained independently. You have a structural engineer or civil engineer trained independently. And you have a mechanical, electrical, and other aspect of services actually trained independently. So as long as you train them independently, they have never worked collaboratively. You find it difficult to bring them together within a very shortest period of time. So what is actually needed to be done first is after revising our curriculum to have this kind of uh, uh, this kind of uh, process embedded or this kind of uh, uh, modules embedded into our curriculum, we need to bring our professionals or our students together from. The university level from high institutions level so by what we do we need to do it by bringing them to have like a, each component of maybe you can have like team of engineers like two civil engineers two quantity surveyors two architects two mechanical engineers two electrical engineers something of that kind you form a team and you give them a tax give them a project firstly you need to bring them together give them a brief and the architect will start his uh, will start his work because he or she always be the first to come in when you talk about building industry. So when you bring them together at early stage, they know how to work together. This one knows this is the responsibility of this person, and I know this is my responsibility. I don't cross my boundaries, and I know the information received. This is my exclusive information, and but I know I sh I need to share it with other stakeholders for us to have an effective way of working and to have a very uh, a good product. So this is the second aspect. So you bring, we, we need to bring our students together while uh, teaching them. Then the last aspect is uh, when posting them for youth service 
you can you might not call it youth service it could be like internship the way uh doctors do uh, go to the uh, the clinics or go to a hospital and get trained within one year it's called what's it called uh, i think it's been called uh, actually it has a name for house, it uh, housemanship housemanship so you we need to have engineers architect and things like that because some people when they go for service they were not quite um, mature enough to realize that they need to learn more of what they actually went for but the thing is when when they graduate they are going for service start they have to be posted exclusively to the field or fame related to their uh, field of studies engineers must be posted to engineering based companies and then or government uh, as a client representative or something like that and then the architect need to be posted to relevant uh, uh, companies where they're supposed to work actually so when you have them in that perspective they get trained within that one year so you realize that at the end of the day when somebody is coming out is coming as ready made to be employed and at that moment when he comes for service he won't be feeling like he's a worker he need to be paid certain amount of money but he is coming as a trainee so he's going to be well trained in that perspective and that will be a better way for developing and enhancing our manpower in sub-saharan africa and nigeria in specific yeah those are very insightful and some information because like measured some of the practices we find in school these days are not the power with what they are not at with what you meet ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっ
don't take big when you start big you you are prone to crashing so take a step-by-step process maybe you just take okay my my thing is i want to start implementing at modeling stage whatever comes to you pass by your side model it do an intelligent model whoever gonna get your drawings and gonna get your model it's gonna be intelligent one no matter what they say about you okay convert it to pdf or also whatever just make it intelligent model when you start that people will start patronizing your work and before you know it you can start saying okay if they have their own a personal consultant maybe structural engineer or quantity surveyor try to be communicating with them try to put in because uh, what i realized that the the best way to pass this information faster is through a uh, professional contact by professionals so if you'll be having much contact with this kind of professionals you easily influence their decision in the kind of tools they're going to use in their subsequent project so we, for them seeing you, okay, this is the kind of tool you're going to use. You can advise them, okay, when you use this, this is the advantage of doing this. This is the advantage of using this. Okay, we'll ask you the other time. So thank you very much for your time, for making our time to share your knowledge with us today. It's been a great insight, it's been a great time. I'm getting to discuss with you. It's your pleasure. It's my pleasure being with you this evening. Yeah, thank you very much. As an underexposed market, Africa's story podcast series aims to bring the African market to the forefront. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to click the subscribe button from whatever platform you tune in. Also, visit www.blazeme.com, www.blazemy.com to access our other content. You can also check out my page, www.unyema.me www.onyema.me to access my other content. To support a future episode of this podcast, you can reach us at hello at blazeinc.net. Hello at blazeinc.net. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blaze Podcast. I'll see you in some other episode.